You are listening to Indie Radio, where we do content the indie way.
one minute. Thirty seconds. Ten seconds. Hello, and welcome to an all-new episode of Men and Women Talk the Mars Venus Show. I am your host, Kente, all the way live from Los Angeles, California, and I'm so happy to be here with you today. I am joined by the beautiful, the talented, the multifaceted Mosaic Star. How you doing? Uh-oh, you're on mute. Okay, hey. <laughs> hey. I was cleaning my refrigerator out and I got sidetracked. So I was like, oh my God, what time is it? <laughs> Tomorrow oh, wow. is id. You know, Ramadan ends tonight. So I got to prepare to cook tomorrow. Oh, okay. So. All right. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So I'm glad that you are here joining us. Uh, how has it been? I haven't talked to you since the last show. It's been good. I've just been working, you know, trying to save the babies. Been craziness happening, but you know, we're here. <laughs> well, thank you for being here with me, and uh, we have a great show for you today. All right, so let's start off by uh, introducing one of our returning champs, all the way from the great state of New York. It's the one and only Mr. Harrison Family Vlogs himself. Thank What's you up, so brother? much. Good, good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, yes. My pleasure to be a part of the conversation. Yes. And, you know, we were talking about it in the in the uh, pre-show, how you've been killing the game this year. I'm very, very happy for you, man. Uh, you do great content, and I'm looking forward to it, man. You you need to do a seminar, man, on how to uh, how, how to have a killer year in one of the worst years <laughs> in recorded history. <laughs> so uh, a big shout out to you, bro. I appreciate that. Thank you. All right. And also another returning champ, this brother, man, uh, him and shout out to uh, his one of his uh, cohorts. Uh-oh, uh, somebody's calling me on... Uh, <laughs> One of uh, his cohort, uh, Ronald Smith, is in the in the chat. Uh, it's the one and only brother Andrew Crawley. How you doing, sir? Hey, how's it going, brother? Thank you so much, man. Thank y'all so much for having me uh, on with y'all tonight. It's a delight to be here, man. So definitely excited about the show, man. Thanks again. All right, thank you so much for being here. Um, you know, it's very interesting. We don't talk enough about religion on this show. And you know, sometimes they tell you those are one of the things you you're supposed to stare away from religion and politics, right? 
but um, we don't follow those rules around here. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, I wanted to have this conversation. I've been wanting to have this conversation. Um, there is a person. Uh, there's a kind of person I've frequently have talked about um, called the new Christian, and I'm not talking about somebody who is, you know. Um, you know, uh, six or seven, you know, we're talking about more like an adult who may have grown up in the church and then strayed away and then come back to Christianity. Or you have those who never was in the church at all. And then they had a convergence and they become a Christian, right? And several things tend to happen, right? Um, one thing that I see a lot of is there's this you know, I don't even know how to describe it in this way, but what you will find is somebody will, they become a Christian later in life, uh, and then they become the most devout <laughs> to the point of uh, insanity sometimes, you know? Well, like, like, like zealous or devout? Well, there you go, zealous. Yeah, <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank you for sharing that up. Fanatic. Fanatic. It'll be like... <laughs> It'll be like uh, you'll be listening to the Temptations, and they'll be like, "Turn that devil music off," you know. Like, you know, it's like I got sunshine on a cloudy day. Really, I can't listen to that. But um, uh, you know, uh, that happens sometimes. And one thing I wanted to talk about was I want to talk about that, but also I want to talk about if somebody is thinking about becoming a Christian, maybe they're afraid or scared or whatnot. And we're focused on, on Christianity. I know and not everyone is a Christian, but we're focusing on Christianity because I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian. I grew up Christian and, um, you know, that's what we're doing. Um, but I want to talk, I want you guys, because you guys, um, I really respect you guys in this space, um, talk about that transition into Christianity from a secular lifestyle. And um, just if you guys, because you guys have dealt with people, um, I imagine who have made this transition. So what are some of the things that you would, you know, um, have a conversation with them about kind of just getting them ready for what it's like to be a Christian, you know, uh, getting, you know, becoming a Christian, becoming more devout, you know, from a secular lifestyle. So uh, we want to start off, we'll start off with you, uh, Andre. And then. So um, just so that I know, uh, as far as becoming a Christian from a secular lifestyle. Right. Okay. Um, so um, again, like you mentioned before, there, there are people that when they first come to know God or in any faith, that's what, usually it is, it's that way with any faith. Um, they become so zealous, right? It's like, um, you ever seen that movie? Uh, what's that movie? I hate to compare the two, but it makes sense. Um, Twilight, right? <laughs> right. When they first turn, uh -huh. right, their bloodthirst is like, like, like really strong, right? It's right. sort of like that. I hate using vampires as a, as a reference, but right, right. using a pop culture reference, we got to think of it. When they first become a vampire, right? Um, now I feel bad. Like I feel, not 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 convictions falling on me that I'm using this reference, but just <laughs> bear with me. When they first right. become, they become. They're at their strongest, right? Um, they they are thirsty for 
vampire sustenance, <laughs> whatever it is that, <laughs> that, that they need, right? right? So it's sort of the same way. Whenever anybody comes to any specific faith, you, faith, you notice that um, they're, they, they just become engulfed in it and they just want as much sustenance from that faith as they can, right? Mm-hmm. So um, they become zealous for, for what they believe in. And the thing is, they may not fully understand, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then because of that, they come from, they, they make drastic changes to their life. And it, 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 it's not like a, a gradual growth and understanding of what you believe in. It's just, okay, um, I just want to drastically change my life. And the problem with that kind of conversion is this. Is it, does it work? Absolutely. But sometimes what happens is um, it's it's an emotional um, change. So it's it's a matter of stimulus. You feel good at the specific moment. Right. So you make these drastic changes. But when you don't feel good anymore, then you're like, okay, my faith has failed me. This can't be the right way to go. Um, So what tends to happen is people get so excited about this newfound faith, this newfound religion that's supposed to change their life. And they can, you know, create uh, an early imbalance of, of what it means to be a believer and what it means to practically live that belief out. And without proper guidance and and mentorship, discipleship, they tend to fall astray and fall off. You know, so um, when it comes from living, a, and and, and I'm, I'm coming from this angle because I, I'm not sure if you were uh, asking as far as like secular lifestyle, like music and and movies and things like that. Um, I think that's you know cultural more than anything else. I, I'm trying to stay away from that. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to belief and faith and trying to change a lifestyle. You know, there's got to be balance. And I think um, a lot of times what happens is they make an emotional decision to, to come to faith. And it's based on what I'm going to receive from God. And then when it doesn't pan out the way they want, they tend to fall away. So I think that there's a lot of misunderstanding when it comes to understanding who God is and what it means to be a believer in Christ. Mm. Um, so, uh, Brother Crawley, um, you know, somebody who... I'm going to give you from the perspective of someone who maybe never went to, to church. Uh, and now all of a sudden they are now, they, maybe they're just now getting baptized. They are now giving their life to the Lord. Um, what are some of the things that you would say to them to help them on their walk to get, you know, get them started? Uh, well, it's, it's uh, for one, now that we living in the times that we are and we've made church what we've made it, uh, it's good and important to prepare not only the new convert, but to prepare the church for the new convert. Because sadly, um, one of the problems is and uh, is that when we look at the transition and the conversion of it all, it will be great no matter how many drastic and even quick changes they make to their life or their lifestyle, as long as their lifestyle change and their conversion is met with what I like to call bathing. And that's something that's one of the last things now that the, that the new Christian and even uh, Christians, no matter how long them it says, is offered from the church. And what I mean by bathing is to sit in that atmosphere around those people. See, we, we'll give you a service, uh, you know, pretty much Christianity says uh, the way that we've been doing it, that, you know, well, take take this prayer. You're saved now and just live it out the best on your own as you possibly can. But true biblical Christianity is such that once you become converted, we allow we we marry you to a bathing mechanism of family. We don't mm. just give you sermons; we give you us. That's what it should be. But because of that, we see 
that a lot of drastic changes that people make out of zealous things in the beginning, they're not sustained. They could be if we had a bathing mechanism. So this culture that you now want to be a part of, this Jesus that you now want to be a part of, we're going to be family to you. We're going to be friends to you. We're going to hang out, not just to preach to you and teach to you and to exemplify which all of those things are important, but also to share and do life with you. And during those amount of times, what should happen is, see, we don't change from the outside in. We change from the inside out. So I would liken it to like, that's the difference between like, like when you, when you bathe, it's kind of like a marinade. You know, when you, when you put that meat into those seasonings and let it sit, the meat don't have to make itself get the seasons to the innermost part. All it does is just sit in a certain atmosphere. And so it's, I liken it to the difference between a, a Christmas tree and an apple tree. You see, an apple tree is what it is. The fruits come from within and they are shown outwardly. But, but, but what we do a lot of times, just like a Christmas tree, a Christmas tree don't have fruit, but what happens is you'll take stuff that's not a part of it and try to string it on the branches to look a certain way. And so I think if we understand that mm -hmm. dynamic and just marry bathing to the Christian faith, we'll see a lot more of our life changes that we want to make sustained, if that makes sense. Makes perfect sense. Um, one of the things, you know, if you're a, a carpenter, you probably use a hammer at some point, right? If you are a DJ, you probably use some sort of turntables or mixers or something to that effect, right? So if you're a Christian, a tool you probably should be using is the Bible. And so many Christians that I know, they really read the Bible. <laughs> I mean, the only, the only kind of the connection they have to the Bible is when they go to church. Mm -hmm. But you have to really read the Bible, like for your own, like do that. So when you become, you know, uh, you know, either, you know, you become a Christian or you get more with your faith, um, can you speak to how important it is to not only, you know, listen to the, your pastor, you know, on Sunday, but also read, read the Bible yourself. Uh, we start off with you, Andrew. Start off with me. Yeah. Uh, very excellent, man. Yeah, we, we got to realize, like, if we walk in a relationship with Jesus, a relationship with Jesus, it's amazing how so many earthly parallels could make sense of our relationship. Because when we, when we come to the faith, we enter a relationship with the Father. And so just like in a relationship, it's not one way. And in a good, healthy relationship, you need communication, right, which is two-way streaks. And, and what happens is, is in prayer, we talk to God. But when you was talking about with that Bible, when we read his word, if we say the Bible is the word of the one who we're in relationship with, we allow that communication to be two ways because that's when we allow the father to speak to us. And that's how important it is. Reading the Bible to our relationship with Christ is just as important of you allowing whoever you are close to to speak to you at times because any, any relationship would be terribly unhealthy if you did all of the talking. And so we let <laughs> Jesus talk when we read and adhere to one of his words. And that's one of the reasons why we have so many Christians or people bound by form of godliness because they do all the talking and never allow Christ to talk to them through knowing what his words is. So in any healthy relationship, if communication is not two ways, it's going to be an imbalance there. All right. Yeah, I think that, you know, when people who don't um, read the Bible or whatever their, you know, religious book is, they're, they're missing a great part of what their religion is. Because it's like put, trying to put 
a shelf together and you're like, oh, I don't need all these other little parts, but you ain't going to read the instructions. You're going to put it together. <laughs> and then you wonder why it's leaning to the side because you didn't put all the screws in the right place. But, you know, it's like, you know, and I understand that, you know, some people are like, I pick up the Bible and I fall asleep. <laughs> You know, when you read it, but I mean, you have to, and it's, it's because it's like, if you're reading like a King James version, yeah, it could be hard to read for some people, but that's what we have Google for. And we can look up words now. Um, and you can also <laughs> use <laughs> different things and tools that, um, you know, like lexicons and stuff like that to understand the Bible. I think that a lot of people just do not like to read in general. And, you know, it is for some people or, you know, if they don't know any other type of Bible, it feels like it's a hard read for them. But you're missing that part of, you know, the, the, the some of the meat and potatoes of the religion. If you're not reading the book <laughs> and you don't get an understanding for yourself, it's like, you know, somebody could tell you anything, you know. It's like, but if you don't read the book for yourself, how do you know that God's word says exactly what it says? Because you're just listening to what someone else says. Yeah. You know what's and crazy? Think, oh, go ahead. Okay, okay, I'm take. I don't know. I was gonna say, what's crazy about the Bible is it's a good book. Like, I mean, I mean, the Bible is not boring. Like, just if you read the Bible, because because actually, I read the Bible. I grew up in a Christian situation and all of that kind of stuff but i you know i fell away from the church and whatnot and then i just decided to read the bible just because like i had never read it cover to cover yeah and honestly when i read the bible like read it all the way through first of all i had a great time doing it but it also it was like all of a sudden it made sense it's like when you read it all the way through then you understand the gravity of what it is more so than when you hear scriptures here and there and what all. I always I suggest anyone just yeah. to do it, just read it cover to cover. Even if let's say you're not a believer, you, you should know that. <laughs> you know you yeah. should read the Bible. You know, but go ahead. I'm sorry. And, and this, I'm glad you brought that up because um, what people tend to do is they tend to soundbite the Bible a lot. So what happens is mm -hmm. they don't know people. People people do two things uh, incorrectly when they're reading the Bible. Okay. Um, they read verses only, right? And then they read it, right? Well, three things. They read it out of context, and then they read it in order to find themselves in the pages of the Bible because they, they want to know how special they are, right? Mm -hmm. So it causes people to have a very self-seeking um, approach to studying the scripture, right? So um, we got to be careful of that. I, I always tell people this. There are two types of people who read the Bible. One who reads the Bible to uh, shape the Bible according to how they see fit. And the other person is they read the Bible and allow the Bible to shape their lives according to how God see fit. And we have to be the latter. So when we read, so the, the Bible is an amazing tool, but we have to be careful soundbiting it because when we soundbite it and what happens is a lot of, a lot of people, um, pastors and, and, uh, and people who want to, to, um, disprove the bible or try to they soundbite scriptures out of context and then tell you this is what it's saying and then when you open it up a little bit and you're like well contextually this is actually what it's saying you know you have to understand what the bible is saying contextually so when kente was just saying reading the bible all the way through that's that's 
important because now the Bible, you're able to, to, to look at it within its full context of, and then as you read it, you start to understand, wow, some of the stuff in the, in the Bible was really foul, but I understand why these things had to have happened, right? Had to happen. And you're right, Kente, like the Bible is a juicy book from judges to, to you know, it's you know, I, I, like, there's some things that I, I was reading and I was like, yo, this is crazy. And also another thing, we have to know the difference between um, what's prescriptive and what's descriptive in the Bible as well. Right. Just because, yeah, just because the Bible it's in the Bible doesn't mean that God is allowing it to happen. <laughs> like, right, so, right. Say you know, that again. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes when we read the scripture, we have to understand that he, there are certain because it's also a historical text. Also, it's not just a religious book; it's historical. Right. So, some of the things are a description of what happened in in history. Then there's some things that are um, prescriptive as far as how we should be living to please God. We have to know the difference. We have to know the difference. And a lot of times we look at things that's descriptive mm -hmm. and because it's favorable, it makes us feel good. We're going to apply <laughs> that to our life and then say, yes. look, but it's in the Bible. Come on. We got to be careful. <laughs> and right. One of yeah, those bites that, that cracks me up that people take out of context is the unequally yoked. Listen. <laughs> they, can't say, can't and say. then they don't even know they right. don't even know what a yoke is. Yep. <laughs> and I'm like, so Y-O-L-K-E-D. And I'm like, uh, uh, and so I'm married to a Muslim. I grew up Church of God of Christ all my life, you know. <laughs> so, and people like, oh, y'all unequally yoked. And I was like, how? Uh, I was like, can you explain how to me that I would be unequally yoked to my husband? And then, <laughs> then they were like, well, y'all ain't on the same path and y'all ain't doing the same thing. And that, I was like, well, yeah, you kind of were just like, but they don't. I'm like, do you know what a yoke is? Because they spell it Y-O-L-K-E-D. <laughs> And and I was like, and they were like, yeah, so like, you know, when you and I was like, no, no, that's not a yoke. <laughs> and so I had to send them a picture of a cow with a, two cows with a yoke on. <laughs> and I'm like, but some of the, we take some of those little uh, scriptures that we hear all the time that are um, popular and use them to our to make it whatever we're saying sound good, but it doesn't necessarily mean what we think it is or it may not even fit the context of what we're speaking of yeah, there's, there's, i mean that's a whole that could be a whole episode on um on <laughs> the Bible incorrectly uh my favorite one of my favorite things is when they'll they'll be like uh i'm gonna lead them to the promised land like moses <laughs> but i don't think yeah. he got Right. <laughs> if, you, if you guys don't mind, can we use that unequally yoked as an example of how people sound by the Bible? They take that verse in 2 Corinthians 6.14 and they only say the first part, do not be unequally yoked. Right. And then they add their own description of what they feel it means and their own definition instead of getting the definition from what the Bible says. Because when we read the Bible in context, and here's an example about context. All right. And how mm -hmm. you read it. If you look at that scripture, you can first you got to read the whole chapter, but we don't for the sake of time. Let's not. Let's start at verse 14. Said, so do not be unequally yoked with I'm reading from the ESV. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has unrighteousness with lawlessness? For what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has a temple of God with idols? And then it goes on to, to, to give like sort of like a, a poetic type of description. So when we read it in context, now we have to understand, now, now we read it and try to find the definition of what God is trying to say here. When it says, do not be unequally yoked, it's saying, do not be unequally yoked with 
non-believers specifically. And what we tend to do is we try to add our own self. And this is when um, toxic religion comes into play, when we start injecting what we feel it says. So, and I always say this, right? Um, I think it's it's better for, at least in relationships, it's better for people to be somewhat similarly um, on the same spiritual plane or same level, right? Um, because it, it helps with the, helps alleviate the competition of who's more spiritual and who's not, right? But according to the scripture, the, the common denominator of people being yoked equally is whether or not they believe in Christ. That's what it really is. It doesn't say who's like, you know, I'm stronger than you. So we're not unequally yoked. We're unequally yoked. That's not what the scripture says. It's do we both believe in Christ? And that's where the, the foundation lies in the scripture. So again, just, I'm not like, you know, trying to give like a, a theological lesson, That's but we got to be careful. Yeah. yeah, we got to be careful on how we read the scripture because when we, like you mentioned, when we soundbite it and only take that part, it leaves it up to personal interpretation of how what, how we feel about it instead of what God tells us what it really means. Can you, Bible- would you would you allow me to talk about one of the biggest sound Christian or uh, biblical sound bites to date? Would you Let's allow me to do it. that, please? Oh, please, please, Let's please. talk about it. The biggest one is the one I'm the author of the book, The New Age Vernacular exposing the worldly language that Christians use. And one of the longest chapters in my books deal with the biggest, most misused soundbite to date. Christians and non-Christians, you hear it everywhere. The earth is flooded with it. And what is that soundbite? You are not supposed to judge. Do not judge. (laughs) If you study the Bible, the Bible never tells a Christian not to judge if you really, and just like what my brother says, if you just keep reading, because we yes. say, judge not, <laughs> yes, ye be judged. If you keep reading the context, the context is not saying don't judge at all. It's just saying that when you do judge, this is how you should do it. And so, um, but, I, and I go over there, it's the longest chapter of my book. It's available on Amazon. It's also available on my website, Andrew Carlin Jr. But I'm, I have a book geared to exactly what we're talking about debunking the sound bites and even some things that we think is in scripture that's not even in there but do not judge is hindering us because for one when we look at scripture there's many different types of judgment and god Mm -hmm. says there's a judgment that he only leaves up to people who are christians so in light when the world tells christians that they are judgmental technically speaking according to scripture you could be like well we kind of supposed to be because the bible says christians are supposed to judge all things. There's a different types of judgment, eternal judgment and stuff. I don't want to get into it, but I, I just got excited because, and my brother gave a great example. And that's another one of those examples yeah. because we'll I, take three words of, of a whole verse or, or let everything be, it, it, what, about, what about the church? You know, I'm, I'm really into debunking a lot of things that church have uphold. Mm-hmm. And one of those things is, well, let everything be done and decently and in order. Well, if you really study that, you understand yes. that's the last verse in a chapter. Yeah. And what that really is saying is to allow for Christians when they come to church yep. to have a freedom of to express themselves while they are in church gatherings, which is something that that 90 percent of church people don't do. But I don't. As you can tell, I'm passionate about that. So I don't want to get carried yeah. away. But those sound bites really they really tear us up. Can I, can I give one more sound bite? Sure. Go the whole. I can do all things through Christ who give me strength, right? That's true. That that that's that's one that's also sound by sound bit a lot, yeah, right? And this is this is this actually has been responsible for a lot of people falling away from the faith because they misunderstand the scripture, right? They think that you know 
once you become the faith, everything has to be extremely prosperous. Nothing can ever go wrong, right? You can, you know, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength, right? Right? Like, it's, it's not talking about, like, if I was to, to call LeBron James out in a basketball game, because I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength, that I can, you know, dunk on his neck and, and, and beat him in a one-on-one. Like, that's not what it's saying. It's saying, and if you look at it in, the, in, in context, it's saying, I, have, I, I know how to experience having. I know how to experience not having. Right? I can endure all these things because it is Christ who gives me strength. Right. So it's saying pretty huge, huge. When we read <laughs> yeah. that, we're like, you know, I can, I can, I can handle it all. Right. Right. <laughs> Bring it on. Then when things go south and you can, you know, it's like, oh, wow, what, what, what's happening? Like, I'm not supposed to be experiencing this. Well, actually you can, and it is Christ who can give you that strength. So, yeah. That's now we have a yeah. question in the audience. I've been meaning to get to it. Uh, they it wants to know, are we saved by the blood or water? I'm just asking. You know, is he is he referring to yeah, is he for referring to Matthew 16? I mean Mark 16. Hmm. I, I wonder if he means uh is he talking about the actual baptism? Yeah. Some people, you know, it would say we're saved by the blood, but then you got some people that would say, Well, you have to be baptized in the name of Jesus mm -hmm. to <laughs> uh to be saved. And that's like an apostolic um um, well, argument a lot of the people from apostolic church they're like you're not baptized in the name of jesus you're not saved <laughs> yeah so well, i i uh -huh. guess i guess that would be the what, what's the, the scriptural reference for 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 why he's asking that and then we can look at it yeah, in, if, in context if, you, uh, if you're still out there brother uh yeah. say give us a little bit more um information um let me ask this question and this might be a silly question um okay so I'm going to give a scenario. Uh, I was, uh, not me, uh, person X, was uh, nine years old and he was baptized, right? And then he got 18 and started, uh, you know, going, he's in the world, right? And then he gets about, let's say he gets 35 and now he wants to um, rededicate himself to, uh, to the Lord. Does he need to be baptized again? Wait, so, so he was baptized as a child? Yeah, as a child. And it, was, it wasn't his decision, right? Uh, You know, I mean, maybe he felt it as a child, you know, he, but he was young. You know, I was pretty young when I was baptized. Um, was but, it your choice? Yeah, let's say it was his choice. Yeah. Okay. But so, now he's, uh, you know, he went, his life went another path. And then now he's come back to the church. Should he be baptized again? I'm just saying I don't I won't necessarily be opposed to if now that he has a greater understanding that he wanted to be baptized again, you know, yes, you can do that, you know, and and in some cases, that's why I'm glad that my brother asked which scripture reference was the first question coming from, because it makes a difference when we explain it, because in some verses in some references, when we look at water baptism, for example, that was an outward expression of something yeah. that took place inwardly. When we are, according to Romans chapter 8, what really makes you save and the evidence of it is when you're sealed by the Holy Spirit. 
and the body and, and it makes a distinction anyone without the holy spirit is none of his everybody with the holy spirit is now here's the thing about that water baptism is important because it's mentioned in scripture many different times but that gives an outward expression of something of a transformation that has happened inwardly and it signifies you know something so just generically speaking so i would just say to the question it can't hurt if you wanted to go back to the water again and do it in a more sincere manner, yes, more of an understanding of the representation, yeah, I don't, I don't think it could do any harm at all. Okay, he says it's John three five, is what he was referring to. All right, and uh, Jesus I, I pulled it up. Um, except the man be born of water and of the Spirit. Yeah, he cannot yeah, enter like, the kingdom of God. But again, like, like again, yeah, I'm sorry. No, you go ahead. You was about. Yeah. To, I was about to say, but you go ahead. Yeah. So when, when we look at scriptures like that, right, we're looking at John 3, 5. Let me open it up to look at John 3 in its total. And also cross-referencing with other um, similar passages in the Gospels, because then we could look at Mark 6, which will also makes it make it a little bit more clear to us, right? Um, so which is born of the flesh, which is born of the spirit, spirit, do not say, okay. And then we look at Mark 6, where it says something similar and adds it to it. Well, sort of not really adds to it, but makes it a little bit more clear in this understanding uh, whoever believes whoever believes and is baptized will be saved all right and whoever does not believe will be condemned all right baptism itself uh, in, in water is not the the saving work all right it's whoever believes and is baptized will be saved so i uh so when we look and this this is part of like taking one scripture and saying well this is what it's saying we have to look at the bible in its total and cross-reference the Bible with certain parts of the Bible to make, have a, a clearer understanding of what it's saying. So John, you know, he's right. John 3, 5 says, Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say, unless one is born of water and of the spirit, he cannot be, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Uh, that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that is born of the spirit is spirit. We can look at that and say, okay, well, you know, he's got to be baptized to be saved. But then when we look at Mark 16, which is a similar reference to it, it sort of, compounds the knowledge it says one who believes and is baptized will be saved so we got to be able to look at scripture and cross-reference scripture with scripture so that we can get a deeper understanding of what it actually means okay thank you um let me ask this question um uh, okay st sticking with the the theme of someone who's new to christianity what is what is your duty as a christian so now i'm a christian what is my what is my particular duty now that I've become a Christian and um, I've given my life to the Lord? What do what is my duty as as a, as a Christian? One of the things about Christian faith, we got when the Bible speaks of rightly dividing the word of truth. Oftentimes we only reduce that to how we properly handle the presentation of the word to make sure that we're giving it soundly. Now, of course, that is definitely a part of that. But I also want to um, want to submit to the people that a part of that rightly dividing the word of truth is understanding of what developmental stage a certain Christian is, because Paul let us know there's certain stages to Christianity. You, you can be a baby in the faith. You can be a spiritually adolescent. You can be a spiritually adult. And normal life shows us this. So I would say this. You never put babies. You never put newborn babies to work, do you? And so likewise, infants, what do they do? You just get them acquainted with life. The most of the thing that a baby gives you is what? They cry when they're hungry or when they have used the bathroom on themselves. And a lot of times in the Christian faith, what we have to do, and that goes back to the bathing mechanism. If we, When we let someone come into the faith and we show them community and we just say, listen, before we put you to work, 
We just want you to grow in the things of God. Now, the thing about it is the way we set church up, uh, we are in violation of uh, make of, of, of producing spiritual dwarfism, like I like to call it, whereas people have been saved 10, 15, 20 years, but are still only at a spiritual two-year-old level. Paul speaks about that, mm -hmm. too, in the Church of Corinth. But nice. as a whole, you know, let's not be quick to put babies to work before we grow and develop babies until they do that. Now, just like normal life, you now once your baby go from two to three months old to maybe 13, oh, now you're able-bodied. We're gonna show you how to do dishes and wash the cars and, and cut the grass and different things like that. And so it is, I think it truly should be in the faith. Even though that don't mean that they can't do work, they can still evangelize and stuff and share their faith as long as we properly guide them. Because like the Bible says, you can run with the zeal that's not according to knowledge and that in itself, of course, is not good, even though a person's intentions may be good as well. Okay, thank you. Um, we have a great question. Um, you're on mute, by the way, Mosaic. It says, what are good ways to welcome a new Christian without bombarding them That's so that they're comfortable? Yeah, because you know, sometimes I've seen it where somebody will join a church and then they'll be like, oh, we're going to put you on the usher board, put you in the That's choir. Gonna, <laughs> you know, you're doing parking. But, but you know what, though? I think you, you, it's something that you, you mentioned before, Andrew, about um, yes, sir. the bathing, right? Yes, they, they they may they these leaders or these people may think that that's bathing this Christian right by getting them involved in programs, but that's not the same as getting them engulfed in a community. So you're gonna burn these people out before they even know what they believe. Yes, <laughs> you know, I think that comes from um, like uh, well, growing up Kojic, um, you know, back in the day they they would have ch church all week and all. <laughs> So, like, you know, you got Monday night prayer, Tuesday night, um, I was studying YPWW, everything. And they kept people in church to keep people saved. And I think that we carry some of those old things with us into this new church. And it does not, the new generation uh, does not work. And that's why, so, uh, you know, part of the reason why so many people may leave because it's like they had church all day to keep people in church to keep you saved. It's like we went to, like, literally on a Sunday, I could go to Monday, Sunday morning service, go to um, Sunday school, have a service after church, and then go back at night. <laughs> and I, I think, too, I think one of the things that's problematic is because we view Christianity as we've reduced Christianity down to church services. Instead of understanding yeah. that church services is only a small fraction of Christianity. You know what I'm saying? Even if you don't get there, I'm a true believer of true, true effective discipleship can happen if a person never steps into the building uh, of church, because that's not true ecclesiology when you study the early saints of, of Acts mm -hmm. chapter two and then Acts chapter four. And one of the problems is because if we think Christianity is our church services or what happens on Sundays and then Bible studies, this, that, and the other, we think, yeah, getting people plugged in and giving them church duties, we are now giving them Christianity bathing. And that totally is not, that has nothing to do with it. I deal a lot with ecclesiology and church, and, and that's what that's what my heartbeat is because that's what's problematic. We hold too much in our ecclesiastical gatherings instead of the people of the ecclesiology. And so because of that, we think we ain't doing nothing unless we're having a church service. We ain't developed nobody unless we're having a church service. And then now the average preacher, the average person will tell you, well, of course, Christianity is, is, is beyond our church services. But when you look at how we function and what we deem as most important, our execution don't, don't, don't prove likewise. And you know what that leads into the, the, this thirst and desire for titles 
Yes. So now, so now, you know, we, 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 we start them off getting into stuff and then we start giving them titles and yes. now they start feeling entitled, you know? So now, you know, Deacon, so-and-so of the, you know, usher board or, you know, uh, there's different various titles within the, the church structure, you know, uh, there's a scripture that this sort of brought me, brought, brought to my, my remembrance in uh, Romans 15. As we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the feelings of the weak and not to please ourselves. And let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not uh, please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproach you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance, right? And through the encouragement of the scriptures, we may have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another and in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one mighty voice glorify the God of God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's huge when it comes to stuff like this, not trying to plug them into doing things and being busy, but plugging, the, plugging them into community where they can be brought up. Because, you know, when you're a new believer, you're not, I, I'm not, I don't want to use the word refined, but as a new believer, there's some things that God wants to work on you. Not develop, right. Yeah, yeah. develop. And as stronger believers, we got to bear with those those things, right? Yeah. Uh, I, li I like that word scruples. <laughs> you know, the, you know, other <laughs> versions say the scruples of the weak, right? So we bear with the failings of those who are weaker than some of us who may be stronger in the Lord. Right? And in, in that process, we're looking to build them up. Right. And we build them up so that eventually it'll create spiritual endurance so that they can last in his faith walk within a community of people that will build them up and not just get them out singing after they've been saved two weeks because they just may happen to have a nice voice. And I think that's and I think that's important too, Kente, because to answer the question and go back to the question, what's the best way, I guess, to welcome a new believer? One of the best and most important things is not to leave them unto themselves. Mm -hmm. You know. We are a lot of times when we read scripture, like when we read Proverbs and things like that, we are in spiritual violation of physical violations that this Bible denotes at times. So, you know, when the Bible says a child left unto himself will bring his mother, will bring his father to shame. Well, guess what? Spiritually, that is what has happened, too, because a lot of spiritual babies, we're leaving them on their own to figure this Christianity thing out. And to say, well, just as long as you come back to church and pay your tithes and offerings, you're going to be fine. And that's what happened is we have spiritually aborted. Uh, we talk about natural abortions are not right and they're not. But what about the spiritually abortions that we are doing and may not even know because we see the Discipleship and the grooming of a new Christian as a chore and not as something that is essential, mm -hmm. not only for their development, but even for the president, the present, the presentation of the overall church. Man, I, I truly believe like um, after I got older, you know, like mem new members class is like one of the first things that most churches will say that members need to come into, mm -hmm. um, you know, and that's where you learn like what the church believes what their rules are, what, you know, different like stuff, what, you know, if they have, if they're like my church, uh, like the Go Church of God in Christ, you have like who you, your, your bishop is over the Church of God in Christ, who your jurisdictional leaders are, you know, just different things and stuff like that that you learn. But I also think that, um, like you said about putting people, you guys said about putting people into positions because I'm, I've done everything just about before, uh, but preach. Like I've been armor bear. I'm a worship leader. I've done the kitchen and ran the sound room. You name it, I've done. <laughs> and so, like when you go 
into a church and you're very highly talented, yeah, we do put people into positions, you know, like, oh, yeah, they're they going to be good here. They're going to be there. Da, 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 da. But I think that we also forget that this person came here for a reason and it wasn't to sing. It wasn't to sweep the church. It wasn't to be an usher. It wasn't to do any of the things that things that we need done in this church per se. They came because they were broken somewhere. They came because they had a need that needed to be filled. Mm -hmm. They came because they're empty. You know, they came because they didn't have to crawl to get here because they so down and out. And we forget that sometimes and we don't pay attention to that. Even with even current believers, like, you know, because I, I have my story where I was kind of like dropped, like I was depressed and I was at home. I had basically lot, um, my gas got caught off in the middle of winter. I went a whole winter without any heat and nobody called check on me. Nobody. And they knew that I was at home, like struggling like this. But when I came back to church, it was like, well, where are you being? Well, why you ain't been here? It's like, you, uh, you gonna go to hell. You being foolish. Da, 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 da. We care sometimes too much about where someone's soul is going, except for where their soul is right now on this earth. And I think that we need to get back to that. Because I remember my grandmother's church, if somebody went missing, if they were a new member or an old member or whoever, they went to their house like, we just came to check and see how you was doing. Mother Burks and her girls was on it. They was, they was, we was want to see, oh, how you doing? You, you, oh, you, your car broke down. We, we can pick you up in the church van or do you need some food? How many kids you got? You know, they will feed you. They will, you know, get you in services or connect you to resources that you need. And then, like I said, we sometimes we just forget about the human side of the person and we look at the things that they can provide to us to help the church continue to thrive. But that can make the church thrive if you don't deal with what they originally came for in the first place. But I think that's also, um, you know, evidence, evidentiary of, of putting people in position before they know what they believe. Mm. You know, so if if uh, you have a church, if you have a church culture, even some preachers, <laughs> yeah, you're right. yeah, yeah, they, they, this they're more concerned about you being there, right, and yes. not at all concerned about you not having heat. Like that's that's indicative of putting people in positions before they are ready to be in position. They really don't understand what it means to love God and love people, right? And um, uh, and, and again, you know that that's developmental and. Yeah. Um, I'm so, I'm sad that you had to go through that, man. But it's, most it's, it's people, hard. she what she was spilling is an epidemic, yeah. and one of the, and that's problematic because if we don't challenge uh, the functions of church to its core, this is the fruit that comes from not mm -hmm. seeing G, being able to see Jesus past church work. You saw yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. So if see? we can see Jesus past <laughs> church work, then we won't see. We and again, a scripture that's in the Bible that we're in violation of. The Bible says, know those that labor among, among you, you, people who follow the ministry for any length of time. You, They know I say this quite a bit, but it's true. The Bible says, know those that labor among you, but we have flipped it in the church. We only know those among us by their labor, by their church mm -hmm. work. You follow what I'm saying? So and I can't I know you unless you're doing church work. And Man. we flipped it. And when God says, know those that labor among you. So what should happen is, and just like what my brother was talking about, we put people to work instead of knowing them. This is this is the fruit that comes while the, the music department is messy because you got mm -hmm. club singers and people who just played in the club the night before coming up in church. Mm -hmm. And as long as the presentation is right, we would let it go on. Why? Because we don't know those that labor among mm -hmm. us. 
Christ didn't die for congregations. He died for us to be a community of believers that did life together and were responsible that when you hurt, I hurt. When you have a need, we are obligated to meet it because we are as strong as the weakest person who has a need within our midst. That's what the early church was all about. It says not only did they was a uh, a point not only were they devoted to the apostles doctrine and teaching but they had shared all things in common and they met one another needs and the way get this what they brought to the church was distributed according to the needs of the people who was a part of the body and until we can get there and show more of a community and less of a congregation people's lives can be touched beyond measure and you know what the evidence is that that works that in the midst of persecution Mm -hmm. The church still grew. Yes, sir. In the midst of persecution, come on, come the on. church grew. Mm. Listen, listen. It's deep. Yes. That's a, a good point. You know, just like, you know, helping people, helping others. I remember for the first time I went to the mosque with my, uh, my, my husband. It was for a holiday. And the sister comes in and she was a new convert to Islam. And she um, had a great need. She's like, I have four children and our washer just went out. Them people bought her a washer and dryer set. They went to her house. <laughs> they was like, what you need? Oh, okay. So they went, they bought her food. They brought, I was, I was like, I ain't never seen nobody just, they just pulled, they was like, oh, she did a washer and dryer. Okay, he owned a store. We, oh, they bought a washer and dryer. <laughs> and so I was like, are you serious? Like, I have never experienced like somebody like being truly in need like that. And the church be like, okay, we're going to raise you offer real quick. And like, unless you've been a member and you've been paying your tithes. But they, <laughs> they have just, this woman just became a new convert, whatever, to their religion. And she had a need and they helped her meet her need. And now it's been like, they was like, well, if I can't help my sister, then I'm not fulfilling my dean. And I was like, you know, th that makes a lot of sense. So it was like, you know, just to see how other religions or other cultures sometimes help other people. Um, you know, I th we think we've lost some of those old time ways that we, that used to be a part of our, our culture and our, and our religion. It's just that, you know, some things just change over the years. And I just don't get it. It was like, we got to get back to caring for people. And because, I mean, even if you look at Jesus, his whole ministry was about caring for people, helping the least of the, the people that was, that nobody else looked out for. Well, the, the, the John 13, 35 says, uh, by this, all will know that you are my disciples. Jesus is talking. By this, all yes, will sir. know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Um, and I think, um, I, I'll give you a story. Um, I was maybe... So I was 17. I just, I've been a Christian maybe a couple of months, right? And my cousin, Nicole, was getting married. And um, the man he was marrying was Muslim. And um, I went to a mosque uh, for the, the ceremony, right? And it was something that he said, the, the um, imam said. Uh, he found out that I was Christian. I think he sort of targeted me. Right? <laughs> he, was like, he was like, see, um, uh, in, 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 uh, in uh, Islam, uh, we take care of our own people. In Islam, we do not put our um, our elderly in nursing homes. We take care of them, unlike you Christians. And I was like, oh, 
and again I'm, I'm, and here's the thing like I, I was like a, a new believer just came to faith and uh what it did was encourage me to look at uh even as a young 17 year old new christian i was like let me let me examine how you know uh people in, in within the faith uh within my religion new religion uh engage with one another because i noticed that I noticed that. So um, uh, it sort of encouraged me to uh, look at, at least as, as I grew in my faith, to look at people a little bit differently, look at the people I love a little bit differently and think about my representation of Christ. Uh, am I loving people the way God, God has called me to love people? Because if I do that, they will know that I am a believer. All right. They would probably ask me questions. Well, what is it about you that has you loving people so much like, Oh, this person said something foul about you and you're still looking to help them move. Like, what is, what is wrong with you? Like, are, are you stupid? Well, no, I'm not stupid. I'm just, I, I, the same grace that was bestowed on me, I would like to bestow on him. And I think when we have and, more and of that, what? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Good. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I think too, I think too is good to also throw in there that a lot of stuff that we're talking about is cultural. It's mm -hmm. not, it's not yeah. Christianity per se, because Facts. trust you, Trust me, Christianity overseas and in other cultures is different from American Very. Christianity. Very. And some of the things as far as like, you know, taking care, especially your family and loved ones, that is built into certain cultures that mm -hmm. we are not used to as American people. Yeah. And so therefore it's, it's reflected in our, you know, religious ways and the religious views. And I also want to throw this in there. I was sharing this with someone, I think it was last week. And so I said, here's one thing we got to realize too. Let's assume that a lot of Christian churches we're doing exi exactly what the Bible said. Get this when it says, when you do do good to help somebody out, don't let anybody else know. Mm -hmm. But just think about it. If that is true, could it be that a lot of churches are helping out more than we see and realize? Yeah. Because if they really are supposed to help like the Bible says help, the Bible says help the poor and don't turn it into a photo op. Mm -hmm. And not only that, I, me having the experience that I've had with churches multi-different denominations, different uh, sex, uh, different creeds, uh, different colors, different demographic, uh, you know, country, city. One of the things that I've seen is that we got to realize the average pastor and the average church does not get TV time. With that mm -hmm. said, there are tons of churches that do tons of benevolent yeah. things that the general public know not of. And so, and I, and I like it too. I said, well, God, maybe they could be taking heed because when the church do good things, they shouldn't put a billboard up saying, hey, look at how we're helping people. They're just supposed to help for the sake of help, helping the needy. So I do want to throw that out there, too, in defense, because sometimes oh, yeah. we get a bad rap because of our experience and because we mm -hmm. do see a bad representation of the churches yeah. at all on TV can do more. Yeah, it's you know not saying, a slight at there. all. It's not a slight at all to say that there are churches that aren't doing the work because, you know, I've seen yeah. where, you know, you go to churches and they like, they were giving out turkey baskets and turn people away because they didn't pay their tithes. And yes. I've seen where, right about that. Um, <laughs> um, some places where they actually do what the Bible says. So uh, one, um, he's controversial, um, but I've met him on, a, uh, on occasion, uh, Bishop Bernard Jordan. He's like a red runs favorite, but he, so that his church takes the ties and they give them to the elderly. And I was like, Oh, like, <laughs> so the, the members of their church, the elderly, they get a, a, a stipend from the church and they take care of their elderly and the um and the poor with the ties 
He's like, I don't no longer live off the tithes. Now he said, I've been stopped doing that. I make all my money comes from my book sales and stuff like that. But the tithes of the church take care of the elderly and the um, poor. Oh, wow. Uh, like, we have, we have uh, another question. Uh, it says, as a young preacher, you guys are truly helping. What advice could you give me uh, as I pray one day, God may call me to be a pastor? Mm, I love that question. Bro, Andre, would you? Uh, go, ahead, go ahead, my brother. You can take it. Uh, I, I have a passion with working with up and pastors and even pastors who have been, uh, you know, Christian leaders for some time now. But what I would say to the up and coming pastor is this be anointed mm. to not carry to continue to uphold the old wineskin. Mm. Mm. You have permission, not from Andrew Crawley, but from the scriptures and from Jesus himself to understand you don't have to carry on the culture of church as it has always been. Allow God to show you, God, you know, because that's one thing we don't do when pastors and when preachers get into ministry, what they do, they don't look at God and ask God, God, how do you want this ministry to go? They don't even realize that, but they just go ahead on and keep repeating what it's always been. Well, I know I gotta get a building, a choir, this, that, and the other, and I gotta just preach. Allow God to show you true, a true not only shepherd, because there's plenty of people who have shepherd's heart, but they don't have the shepherd's function. Mm. And so what I'm telling you is to be free and know that God has granted you already permission to be the body. What is the body? Like the scriptures say, the body has many members, many administrations that function differently. I'm a human being and I am so thankful that I only have two hands. Problem with the church, we got a thousand hands. <laughs> and we want to make carbon copies and, and you know, uh, denominations are nothing more than just uh, franchises like McDonald's franchises. And so we can't do that. We grow people up and show them where they fit in the body and be okay if it's different. So with young leaders, I, I implore you, not only that, but because prophetically it's gonna prove even more safe for the up and coming remnant because we have not seen the persecution of the church in this nation like we're gonna see. Mm -hmm. And so what that's gonna cause for a different execution. That's gonna cause for us not to just wanna be so public and be on billboards and stuff because it's gonna come back to bite us, you know, like, believing that the church is for the general public. It's something that I also go over and explain in my book. I touch on it briefly, but we got to understand the function of church. And sometimes we put too many man-made hoops and mm -hmm. call it scripture until we study scripture to be like, well, I don't have to do that and I can still be biblical. So that's just some of the advice that I would give to an up and coming preacher. Be free and be led of the Holy Ghost. That don't mean go and just because I do want it, before I turn it over, I do want to warn against this because we are also living in a day and age where it's just a fan to see how different can I be from what has always been. Mm -hmm. And that spirit is not good, right, or healthy. That's not God, that's the spirit of the Antichrist. I'm not talking about that. I am just saying traditionally we have we have out tradition and, and over administered so much the church to where the fruits up there, where the wind of the Holy Spirit don't even have freedom to flow. And mm -hmm. so that's what I would submit to a, a young pastor. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. What he said. Yeah, don't 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 try to be a trendy pastor. <laughs> Just <laughs> you know, uh, I think um, that that's that. I wouldn't say more or less whitewashes the, the the gospel, but it definitely whitewashes you. Um, be genuine in who you are, and um, uh, and know what you believe, why you believe, and study the the scriptures within context, and be willing to teach it that way, and and, and allow yourself to be mentored by solid um bible believing pastors who love who whose 
who 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 the the fruit of the spirit is evident so that you can be mentored by them um because you know you can't go into ministry thinking that you know well i haven't been passed by anybody i'm not mentored by anybody so let me just go in and start a church which a lot of people tend to do um i and and, and take your time like when god god will bring people to you in in the right time so um focus on you know being the best believer you can be uh don't set your mind in the size of the congregation that you want to have set your mind in god what do you want me to do uh and and lord use me to to be a blessing to your people to teach sound doctrine and to meet the needs of your people uh truly be a shepherd as andrew said there's um one last thing I, I definitely want to get to before we go. And I think this is very important. Um, so say a, a young man and a young lady are about to have a child and they're both Christian parents. Uh, and this is their first child. Can you give some advice on how to raise a kid up in the church or, uh, or to be Christian, to be, you know, they say train up a child, you know, mm-hmm. But um, like, how, how do you navigate that? I don't have any kids. So how do you really navigate um, being a parent and also, uh, you know, having them, you know, um, ex- exposing them to uh, Christianity? And then, you know, at some point, ho- they will uh, hopefully become Christians themselves. But how do you navigate that from I'm talking about from right out the womb all the way to, or maybe even before, you know, <laughs> before, uh, while they're in the womb um, and during, you know, until 18 when they're out of your home, like, um, because there's no book on that. I mean, may, well, maybe there is a book. Mm-hmm. I haven't uh, seen this book. <laughs> but like, there's, there's gotta be books out there. Definitely. So like, so, I mean, you know, because if you're, you know, you're a parent, you, you know, you want to, you want to um, do it, but uh, you know, how do you, how do you, you know? Um, okay, so, um, in the, the answer I'm about to give is extremely simple. Um, but it's simple, uh, in, in application, but there's also variables involved. Uh, the major thing is, is model to, to model what it means to be a believer to your child. Ultimately, you're not a Christian because you're raised in, in a Christian home. You're not a Christian because you know, your parents are Christian. You're Christian because you made a decision to follow Christ. You made a decision to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead. So that's what makes you a Christian. So your parents being Christian doesn't automatically give you, give you a ticket into the eternal graces of the Lord. You got you need to believe for yourself. So part of, part of that is not um, convincing your kids that this is a Christian house. If you model what it means to be a Christian and show them that it's real, Right, because their, their their first Bible, their first experience in in the Christian faith will be watching you as a parent. So the goal is to be a uh, the the best model you can be as a Christian, not as a Christian parent, <laughs> mm-hmm. but as a Christian to your child. And I think that um, that's that's as simple as you can probably I, I, as simple as I can answer it. Just do your best to model what it means to be a believer to your children. Mm-hmm. Man, yeah. Um... That's great advice and um, that my brother Andre just gave. And I just want to uh, talk about the foundation because a lot of times we need to realize that if the foundation is off, mm. the product from the foundation is going to be shaky. And so before I even get to the kids, when people, when I've been asked to uh, to do a, um, 
you know, what we call uh, child dedication. I spend more time charging the parents than I do speaking over the child for this reason. And we would get way far left and in trouble. I know that could be for another show. But here's the thing. The glory of God is man. The glory of man is woman. Hmm. The glory of the union between man and woman is the child. Hmm. So with that said, we got to understand this. A child will be good if the union between man and woman is in its proper place and in its proper biblical order, not America's order. So with that said, the child would be right uh, if we model what the relationship that husband and wife should have. So now this comes back to defining what our world has grown to hate defining the true healthy roles of husband and wife and if we do that foundationally what that causes is that causes a a, a hub for a child to come up in get this to where if the husband and wife roles are right in the church it sets the mantle to breathe and pour into the children that well from that union their proper identity mm. and that big i word is one of the major reasons why not only in the African-American community, in the world today, no matter what color creed in this new age that we're living in. The reason why there's so much dysfunction is because of that big word. We lack identity. Therefore, we have an identity crisis. And it all can be tied back to the home and the roles that we have abused and mutated for our own fleshly gain and pride. Mm. Mm. Wow. That's, that's oh, man, thank you so much. Um, I have uh, thing before we go to so sure. thought about something um, in your book. Um, <laughs> I can't see his name because you put me all big face up here. Uh, <laughs> Andrew, yes, um, yes, ma'am. there's one of the things I had thought about that. I always hear that people say, oh, now it's like, oh, um, as far as being married, I can't wait to get my bow ass. <laughs> <laughs> My Boaz. <laughs> and I'm like, if you really know the story of Boaz, do you really, Ooh. are you prepared to really have a Boaz? Because after they consummated that marriage, what happened to Boaz? <laughs> <laughs> so it was like, he died. So are you really, are you really, are you really wanting what you're asking for? <laughs> or. <laughs> and then are you really ready to go to that threshing floor too? Cause that's a whole nother thing. Yeah, but you that's know, that, that's the lesson. Yeah. That's the lesson. Yeah, I'll just say this. I'll just say this real briefly because you brought the point up, and it's an excellent point. Real briefly, I say this: we have to be careful because oftentimes we ask for gifts, not being ready, but we ourselves are not ready for the gifts that we ask for. Mm-hmm. And so, prime example: if someone gave you a Bentley today, mm. free of charge, mm-hmm. one of the nicest cars in the world, guess what? The fact that you're not ready to handle it, you asked for the Bentley, but if they just gave it to you and you weren't ready for it, you couldn't handle the maintenance on that. No. (laughs) And so we have to be careful because like when we ask for our roofs and our Boaz, ask yourself, are you ready? Because if you're not ready for a good gift, the good gift will become tainted because the receiver wasn't ready, even though the gift Mm -hmm. was pure. And so I just wanted to throw that on there real quick because yeah. sometimes we damage good relationships because we, we, we damage good people because of our baggage and we not being ready, mm-hmm. though we should want it, but we should want just as much to be prepared for the gift. 
But then it goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning of the the, the show about how people view the Bible, right? Yes. They, they they read uh that story and all they hear, all they focus on is, you know, I want my Boaz. Stop for a second. Let's look at the whole lesson before Boaz was introduced. What was happening with Ruth? Why don't you learn that first? Learn. Look at the whole thing. Learn all of it. All right. Don't don't just say, well, I I, I want my Boaz. Let's look. Read all of it. Read all of it. Yes. And you know, um, what you were saying Amen. about, um, I forgot that quick word, I'm um, you know, just that, that scripture is just like, so funny people, oh, my Boaz, oh, my Boaz. And like you were saying, be specific in what you ask for. <laughs> so sometimes I'll say, I want something and I'll get it. And I'll be like, oh yeah. And I was like, I'm, I'm good at, at getting stuff that I want. Right. Speaking things and I, and it come to pass. Woo. So I said, I wanted the big grill because I love to cook. And I wanted a bigger grill. So my husband is, uh, I call him uh, Fred um, Sanford's uh, godson because he loves to find something on the side of the road. So he bought this brand new grill. Well, it's not brand new, but it's a fairly new grill in our complex. And somebody moved and they just put it out. They weren't going to take it with them. He brought the grill. I was like, wait, okay. I need to be a little bit more specific. I wanted a new grill, Lord. I didn't want <laughs> I didn't want this grill that's on my patio right now. Yeah, that might not work. <laughs> Did it work? You gotta be specific. And so I like I tell people that's that they're so always say, I'm I need a husband, I need a husband. I'm like, no, you need to, to settle down in yourself first. <laughs> and I always like I started I wrote a list of things that I wanted in a husband. And it was had nothing to do about what he looked like, what he had, what type of money his bank account looked like, whatever. It all dealt with the characteristics of the man that I wanted him to be. And before I knew it, I was married. And I was like, I had to look back at him. I was like, dang, like you do kind of meet all that stuff. Like you might be all right still. Okay. <laughs> but you have to take your time. Be careful what you ask for. You just might get it. <laughs> yeah. and, well, and just, just to, to, before we close what um, Andrew was saying in, in just in relation to what you were saying also um, being ready. So when, when, and this is just for those that are looking for a spouse and you're praying for characteristics of a spouse. Um, are you ready to receive that spouse that you're praying for? Are you the person that is ready for the person that you're praying for. So at the same time, you got to, you know, I may want these things, but God, what do you need me to be so that I'm ready for the spouse that you have for me? I I, I do have one last question. And um, I I meant to say this earlier on, but um, um, the word blasphemy. Um, Can you just kind of tell, speak on what blasphemy is and with things that are blasphemous that maybe we don't understand that is blasphemous when it comes to, um, you know, the Lord. Because I don't know that people understand really what, what is blasphemy and what is um, and how, because I feel like people are and they don't realize it, you know, or they're being blasphemous when they when they talk about about uh our lord and savior so um this is it's such a broad thing and god's grace is amazing um like you'd be hard pressed to find like a specific scripture outside of maybe one where it talks about blaspheme the holy spirit right where it talks about uh, the the unforgivable um 
sin. And then it doesn't even really describe what that actually is as far, mm -hmm. you know, how, 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 what do I need to not do to avoid that? Mm. Um, the, the, the blasphemy, blasphemy in, in regards to, uh, well, in regards to what is blasphemous is speaking out and, and, and saying that, um, you know, Christ didn't die. Christ isn't Lord. That's blasphemous. Mm -hmm. um, there's heresy and then there's blasphemy, right? Mm. That's, that's blasphemous, right? Right. But even that itself is forgivable if you've confessed that he is Lord. So, right. um, so it's, it's, it's such a, a broad topic. And I think it's, it's not precisely painted out in the Bible for this reason. Mm -hmm. And that's because God's grace is, is bigger than what we can actually truly realize. And I think that's as best as I can answer it. So, mm. you know, blasphemy is, you know, um, denouncing uh who christ is but that's forgivable <laughs> it's not like you know once you you repent from that there's redemption there you know mm. so they, 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 okay. so uh, so i'm not sure if you're saying as far as heresy heresy is di slightly different that's bad poor teaching bad teaching but yeah mm, okay uh um the same thing so i guess well, well, um, oh no I was just going to say real quick. So would you say that what Judas did was he blasphemous? Uh, for what, what? His action? His actions. Yeah. Was it blasphemous to to betray Jesus? Yeah. The way he did? I think it was stupid. <laughs> I think <laughs> it was it was absolutely it, it was based on greed mm -hmm. um, based on but but I also have to understand how how God works. It had to happen. If it didn't happen, He would not be handed over to those who was supposed to sacrifice, who was supposed to crucify Him. You know, um, so it was definitely something that that He should not have done. It was definitely a sin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I would just say, and I agree with my brother as far as when he started off in the beginning saying that. It's broad depending on which angle you're coming from because, uh, you know, like Titus chapter two, is it uh, talks about you can blaspheme the Holy Spirit pretty much by like what I just mentioned earlier by not mm -hmm. properly carrying out the roles. It says that the women out of their proper place can allow the word of God to be blasphemed, you know. So, mm -hmm. and then we do have blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is an unpardonable sin in the, in the lights that if you reject it and you totally reject it all your life, of course, you can't be redeemed. Uh, from it. And there are some things that some scholars and uh, some apologists still, I guess, maybe wrestle with it when it comes from blaspheming the Holy yeah. Spirit, even though we can determine in Scripture because of what Scripture says, it is unpardonable. But at the same time, to the degree of, of when that is actually done and how it's done, uh, you know, it's in some circles, it's still left up for question. But like my brother said, blasphemy, depending on, uh, you know, what context we're looking at, it can be done in a couple many different ways and, and, and stuff like that. Um, some can be redemptive, some can't be redemptive. Mm, interesting. That, hey, that could be a whole show uh, <laughs> right there because mm -hmm. I, I really feel like um, I really feel like that's something that you know people use that word a lot, and it's one of those things that people use, and I don't know that it's really understood. So I wanted to just get some more understanding for myself, but 
I want to excuse me. Golly, sorry about that. Uh, I want to thank the panel. You guys were amazing. And of course, you as well, Mosaic. Uh, I'm going to start off with uh, you, uh, Brother Andrew. Tell us, um, how can we get you in social media? Tell us about your, your wonderful programs and um, how we can get our hands on your book as well. Sure. Well, thank you again so much for having me, Kente. I appreciate, man. Uh, you know, you all uh, tonight, it's been really fun. Thank you all for even just allowing me to be a part. Yeah, Andrew Crawley, I am the author of the book that I've held up, The New Age Vernacular, Exposing the Worldly Language That Christians Use. I truly do believe everybody alive and well that is breathing today that claims to be a Christian, you need this in your hand, not because of what I said, uh, but because of even what some others have said. If you go to my website, andrewcrawleyjr.com, there's some testimonials about what some even other leaders have said about this great book. But the reason why I say that is because it is something that is that you can't escape. Everybody comes in contact with this language, whether you're a Christian or non-Christian, and you need to better understand the tactics of the enemy, uh, the wiles of Satan. But yeah, um, you can go to my, my website. It is also on Amazon as well and those of you all who tech is out there you can either get it delivered to your home or you can simply instantly get it downloaded but uh uh i'll just also say we do also have a show every tuesday night with my partner ron smith called critical dialogue and it's a show geared towards much kind of like this one a lot where we just geared towards engagement and interaction because we're on a mission because the work the church haven't met interaction and engagement enough we've been programmed to come sit and listen without responding in interaction well it's in interaction and engagement that brings a greater level of understanding the mm -hmm. church have been inundated with knowledge while understanding little and so that's one reason why we need to have more engagements like these just that and the third uh and be more accessible to the people as leaders so we do have that show every tuesday eastern standard time at 8 30 uh right here on uh facebook live it also is on youtube but you can um my name you could friend my name or either you can actually go join critical dialogue as a page and then you'll see uh some other things that we have going on there as well and again thank you so much for being a part man i love my brother his input as well man definitely would like to keep in contact with you even oh, beyond thanks. this yeah. man maybe we can share some thoughts and get together in fellowship man because you've been a blessing Agreed. tonight man and just Agreed. good to hear Same. you know the things that you shared as well and thank y'all so much for the co-hosts and the host for just allowing us again to be a gracious part of your show thank you and brother ronald smith this brother is hard working dude uh big fan of his work uh my tuesdays are open now so uh i i can um go back to um checking you guys out live um, and I love you guys program. I, I check it out live. I, I mean, you can check it out. Um, uh, not live, but it's always best live. Cause then you can, um, you can share in the conversation and it's just so insightful and you guys have great topics. I mean, like, you know, you see people post what their shows are going to be. And sometimes you're just like, Oh, okay. That sounds good. But like, when I see you, you guys always have the, these great topics that I just, I'd be like, oh, I got to catch that, well, you know, and you guys are just mm -hmm. always on point and the dialogue is is uh, amazing and Thank you have you, great man. guests and it's just a fantastic show. Uh, guys, check it out. It's very entertaining as well as very insightful. So uh, make sure you guys check it out. Brother, uh, Brother Andre, uh, now uh, tell us how we can get you in social media. Tell us about your programs and your uh, YouTube channel as well. All right. So, um, uh, actually, if you search Harrison's Harrison Family Vlogs, it's like right there. You can find me on YouTube. Uh, subscribe, and you can watch a couple of the videos. My channel is, um, it's it's it, it covers uh, fatherhood, family, faith, and relationships. Uh, and lately, we've been you know discussing how 
lot, lot of topics as far as uh, race is concerned and, and how to think of it about race as a believer in Christ. So, um, yeah, ch- check out the, the YouTube channel. Um, hit me up on Instagram um, at Andre underscore D underscore Harrison. Uh, follow me there. And um, uh, yeah, yeah, if you just hit me up, even Facebook, Facebook, uh, Harrison. Uh, connect with me. I, li- I like to have conversation with people. Um, I like to build, like to learn, and I like to impart what I know. Yeah. So, yeah. same thing. Big fan of you too, man. Love your content. I got it. I got the notifications and everything popping, so I make sure I can catch it. Your programs, man, it's awesome. Uh, and uh, if you guys haven't checked either one of these brothers out, please make sure you do. They're very, very awesome, as you can see on this program. Mosaic, how can we get you in social media and what you got uh, going on? Well, you can find me on Instagram at, at Mosaic Star. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at, at Mosaic. In um, Clubhouse, I'm on Mosaic Star as well. Um, right now, you know me, I'm just working with the children, um, just dealing with um I work in social services, helping adolescents and young adults uh, find housing and resources that are homeless. Mm. Uh, still trying to get my business back relaunched, trying to get my stuff back and get this shea butter rolling and other herbs and stuff that I'm importing from Africa, you know, and we're working on building our house. <laughs> Just a lot of money going out of my pocket. <laughs> 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 the perils of being married to an African man, you know, you gotta, you gotta take care of family, <laughs> but I enjoy it. You know, I don't mind as long as my house is taken care of, you can send a million dollars. I don't care. But <laughs> well, Mosaic, Mosaic, you are a baller. So I know you good. <laughs> in the spirit. Look. <laughs> <laughs> I got more money in the spirit. I got it from my bank account. I'm trying to figure out how to get it from the spirit she, to the she's account. Throwing up, she's throwing up treasures up in well, heaven. That's what she's yeah, doing. I'm still trying to, to work that out. <laughs> I was about to say, Jose, let me let me hold about fifty k. <laughs> <laughs> I wish somebody to let me hold about fifty k, and I'll flip it real quick. <laughs> I, hear it, I hear it. All right, and you can give me a Kente F on Twitter. Kente Ferguson on Instagram. Of course, the website is IndieRadio.org. That's I-N-D-Y Radio.org. This was a fantastic show. I'm so happy um, that we did this. And, um, you know, uh, next week we'll be back with uh, more entertaining topics. Uh, You guys have a great rest of your week and God bless you. Peace. Peace.